Hello and welcome to a special best of edition of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and with me this week once again is Ricardo Benavides. Ricardo, how are you doing, man? Hey, good morning, Jeremy. Going into this Labor Day weekend, I'm doing great. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, we definitely the the Live to Walk Again podcast wishes everybody a great, happy, and healthy uh, Labor Day weekend. Hopefully, everybody's able to be with family, whatever the case may be, staying safe. Um, yeah, so, you know, we uh, we decided, I know you had a, we obviously, we recorded this podcast yesterday, we had some technical issues, um, so we're doing it again, 2.0 2. here, and uh, yeah, I know you had the idea last week to, uh, that we should start maybe doing a couple of these best of episodes, because there's so many great great episodes that people haven't listened to yet um and so we yeah we wanted to kind of dive in and uh and and get one of those episodes out so that maybe somebody that hasn't listened in quite a while uh can can catch up yeah that's exactly um what we're going to be doing this week and there were many like you said many good episodes and by no means does this diminish any of the other episodes because this is the first of uh, this that we're doing um, and uh, our first guest of honor is uh, actually Angela Rockwood, right? Right, right. And I know I sent you about five or six different uh, options that I you know, want to, I definitely want to get put back out. And, and that was kind of the one that it seemed like uh, affected you the most or, you know, touched you the most. So that's, a, yeah, that's right. I actually, um, you know, I don't want to give anything away because it's a great episode, but uh, it actually brought me to tears, uh, some of her story, and, um, and also uh, inspired me in a lot of her story. So um, one of the things that she does is uh, she's uh, fearless, and she's not afraid of pain, and uh, she doesn't allow people to put her into a box, the medical or other people, right. and uh, she lives her life to the fullest, which is just simply amazing. And it's a good message for disabled and able-bodied people alike. I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, I thought there was some like real, real takeaways from her, her interview was um, number one was that I, early on, I was a terrible interviewer. I don't think I'm great now, but I think I've, I've come, come a long way uh, since, since that episode and, and since I was able to visit with her and um you know, but the, the box, the thing that you talked about with uh, putting you in a box, she mentions that, you know, when she's in the hospital after, after her uh, injury, after her car accident that she was in, um, she was like, I want to, I want to use a manual wheelchair. And they're like, no, you're a quadriplegic. You can't use a manual wheelchair. And it's just like, you know, she, she mentioned that, you know, they put your, the diagnosis on this sheet of paper or, or whatever the may, case may be. And, that's what you're, that's the only thing they look at. They look at this like predetermined diagnosis and like, this is what we're going to do for a treatment plan. And that doesn't necessarily yeah. always fit the bill, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it kind of reminded me of, you know, like a, uh, the ancient caste systems of some cultures, right? Where yeah, your dad was a rat catcher, you're going to be a rat catcher, you know, and you have no choice. And she was like, no, I do have a choice. You know, I have a will, I have a, a, a mind, and I'm going to use it. And I'm going to 
uh, research and find out everything that I can. And one of the things that she did was the uh, uh, stem cell uh, procedure in Portugal, right? Right, right. She talks about that quite a bit and, and the great success she had from it. But yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I think you often say we don't want to get too political, but uh, it's sad that in America we have to travel overseas to find researchers to do this type of surgery um, that she had where she had stem cell replacements. Uh, uh, oh God, it escapes me. Uh, the nasal st stem cells. Olfactory, that, uh, olfactory yeah. cells, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. And um, she, uh, she found a surgeon. Um, unfortunately, he's passed away. Um, but, um, you know, he saw everybody as individuals. And, um, you know, there was no recipe for them and he, he wasn't putting people in boxes as uh, some of the medical profession does over here. Right. And uh, she's got a great story about it. It's just, she's awesome to listen to, to hear her story and very inspirational. You know, in fact, her accident was uh, very similar to yours, a car accident mm -hmm. where she got uh, injured in. And, uh, you know, both of you have had uh, different types of procedures to recover and, um, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, I thought there was some similarities too, and I feel really connected to Angela, and I'm actually going to hopefully have her on the show again, um, just kind of give us some updates in the not-too-distant future, um, but yeah, you know, I thought that her, you know, she talked about a little bit about how she knew that she, she had a premonition that she was going to have a, a bad car accident, and that she, so she wasn't shocked when this happened, she was able to kind of take it in stride and, uh, you know, not, it didn't get her, obviously this injury can, I mean, it can derail your life. I mean, it does, like it, it changes everything, right? From, you know, from the, yeah, it just changes everything from across your, in the entire spectrum of your life, but you can either go down a dark path or you can try to stay positive and do whatever, whatever you, you can to, to heal and, and you know, live the best life you can while you're dealing with this injury. So I really love because that's like one of the main main uh, focuses of the Live to Walk Again Foundation. Like we want to, you know, promote how to live your best life while we're dealing with this injury until they've come up with something that can get us up and walking again. And I think that she really epitomized epitomized that in in some of the stories that she told. Well, what's another amazing thing about her is that she doesn't just focus on herself and her wellness and being, she focuses on others. And uh, one of the things like uh, you, you said that it was very emotional for me, uh, she has some horrific stats on the abuse of women um, that are disabled. And I never even thought about that. I don't think about that in my daily you know, life. But when I listened to that, it brought me to tears that somebody would... Um, abuse a person that has to trust everybody right you know especially if you're a quadriplegic or somebody that's a paraplegic in a wheelchair you have to put a lot of trust in others to help you with your daily tasks and to have somebody that would take advantage of somebody in that way is horrific and she is a champion of those people and uh, um, her hashtag is um uh oh it escapes me right now let's uh, just say hashtag disable the abuse yeah Yes, yes, disable the abuse. Yeah. Right yeah. Here, yeah. 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 Which yeah. is such, I mean, that's just a powerful, like, just hearing that 
you know, hashtag disable the abuse. I feel like that's a powerful statement in and of itself. And, you know, just, yeah, just the fact that she, I mean, dealing with all the other stuff that, that somebody that is a quadriplegic deals with on a daily basis to then also be, you know, doing this, you know, advocacy work for, uh, you know, battered and, and abused women, um, both, you know, physically and sexually abused women that are disabled is, I mean, yeah, she's a hero, man. Yeah, yeah, she is. So, um, I, I mean, we could probably talk for hours about this chair um, right uh, you know so but yeah well uh, yeah why don't we get to the get to the interview here with angela just wanted to give everybody a chance to hear this one again because it's it's so powerful and i hope you all have a great labor day ricardo thank you again for i know we're doing yep. this one over zoom because we had some technical difficulties yesterday but i uh, hope you guys enjoy it um yeah and again you, ricardo yeah, again, everybody, it's Angela Rockwood, and um, I think uh, a good uh, name for her would actually be Angela Rockstar. <laughs> I mean, so I uh, you guys have a good Labor Day weekend, and uh, from myself and uh, my family, everybody be good out there, have a safe weekend, and uh, Jeremy, you do the same. Absolutely, yeah, and, and everybody, you can, you know, listen to this podcast anywhere that podcasts are are played. Uh, you if you could share, rate, review, uh, like it, all the all that sort of stuff, we would appreciate it. You know, we're just trying to find a cure for paralysis. So we will uh, talk to you all next week. All right, everyone, we are so pleased this week to be able to speak with Angela Rockwood, who is an actor, model, producer, speaker life coach and a host of the world poker tour uh angela is there anything else you want to add to that uh that introduction there I, I thank you so much for joining us how are you doing i'm doing well thank you hello to everyone out there first and foremost thank you so much for having me on this podcast and as you as you just heard yes i'm like a rolling empire i do everything and i also am on the board of the phenomenal organization called Global Mobility. We go all over the world and we give wheelchairs to third world countries. And I also am an ambassador for the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation. I'm a manifestation life coach and just overall, just a rolling goddess. That is, I love that, that you're a rolling, you are a rolling goddess. That is so cool. Um, so yeah, Angela, basically, you know, when we, when we are able to, to speak with people here, we, uh, you know, I'd like to just kind of find out, you know, how you were actually injured um, and, you know, kind of the, the, you know, when that happened, like how things went for you going through rehab and all that sort of thing. So can you give us kind of a, a uh, an overview of what I guess happened to you when, when you were injured? Yes, of course. I, I actually was in uh, 2001. It was one week before 9-11. I was actually planning my wedding with two of my bridesmaids. I was up in San Francisco and we were visiting my maid of honor and we were you know just planning the wedding and all that good stuff and we were supposed to be coming back from sf to la and it's a trip that i would make like once a month and uh because i used to live in san francisco so my girlfriend two of my girlfriends my girlfriend stephanie was the driver my girlfriend tweet trang may she rest in peace she was the mighty Morphin power ranger the yellow ranger she was in the passenger seat and i was in the back seat so basically we were coming back on the i-5 
and I was again in the back seat and I basically in the car accident I had oh let me let me rewind a little bit here let me let me let me rewind all the way I had a premonition when I was 17 that I was going to be in a horrific car accident so the car accident that I was in that injured me that paralyzed me I was in a car accident a year prior to that so I thought that was the car accident so I didn't know that I was going to be paralyzed. I just knew I was going to be in a bad accident. But you know how when you have that little voice like talking to you, your instincts, your intuition, your your guide, whatever you want to call it, label it as, this thing was like, this voice was telling me to put my seatbelt on because how many people sit in the backseat of a car and they never wear their seatbelt? So we stopped once for glass, once for snacks, and I deliberately put my seatbelt back on. And I was actually taking a nap and I woke up three hours into the drive from my nap and my girlfriends were talking about the weekend and how fun it was and how everything was all juicy and this and that. And so of course I unfastened my seatbelt. I got into the center and I pulled myself forward because I wanted to get closer and listen to the story. So right at that very moment, we we're going around a turn and there was like loose gravel and my girlfriend lost control of the car. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. I got back into my seat, but I did not put my seatbelt on. You know, like Wonder Woman, I think I can brace myself. So what I did was I put my head down to start praying that I didn't want to die and stuff. And when the car spun around, when it was fishtailing, the back of the car at the side of the mountain. So that's what pushed me forward. So the top of my head hit the back of the seat. And that's what shattered my C4, C5 vertebrae to smithereens. And then it instantly severed my cord. And then I was paralyzed. So when the car flipped like four or five times, I was catapulted out of the triangle window, not rectangle, but the little triangle window. Flew like the angelic goddess I am. Landed on the left side of my head and then bled to death. Saw the white light came back. Fast forward the story. The car flipped like four or five times. It hit the railing and flew over the bank. When I woke up in the hospital, the doctor told my dad and my ex-husband that I had three to 5% chance of moving or feeling anything from the neck down. And of course, I didn't care. Um, when I did wake up in the hospital, now imagine, oh my gosh, you're like in a hospital on morphine, paralyzed, you can't move, you can't feel, you're watching the TV and you're seeing 9-11 happening. I thought oh I died gosh. and went to purgatory. It was so surreal. I can't but basically, even It was crazy. It was so crazy. The feeling was insane. I begged them to get me off the morphine. But when I woke up in that hospital, the first thought that went through my mind was, oh my gosh, I'm alive. I knew immediately it was for a reason. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is the big bang that I've been waiting for. And that little voice spoke to me. And this whole vision flashed before my eyes. My father sat by my bedside and he wrote word for word the vision. And I can tell you I'm living it till this day. Wow. That that's intense. I can't even yeah, I couldn't imagine, you know, coming to seeing 9-11 on the TV screen even. That yeah. that must have been insane. Um, so you know, yeah, that's a that is a hell of a story, Angela. What um, you know, how long did you end up having to spend in the hospital dealing with rehabilitation and all of that sort of thing? I stayed in Sierra Vista Hospital for nine days in the intensive care unit because that whole 9-11 thing was going on. And I know they had the whole ambulance things and that and whatever. So by the time my ex-husband and my girlfriend 
found the rehab facility for me to go to, which was Rancho Los Amigos, I was then transported from uh, Sierra Vista Hospital to Rancho, and I stayed at Rancho Los Amigos for three months. I stayed there for three months. I wasn't able to do very much because I had broken my, my shoulder, my clavicle, so it was very painful to move and everything, and they actually had discharged me after about three months. Usually, because back in the day, I know that some of the patients would stay there like six, seven, eight months sometimes, but... I just stayed at the rehab. It was very interesting because, again, because I think it's because I had the idea, the the vision that I was going to be in an accident. I didn't take it so hard because I just kind of, I was, I was grateful to be alive. That was my most important thing. And then the fact that I was still living, I was like, okay, this is it. Like, I'm not going to be able to walk or feel or do this or do that. Okay, big deal. But for me, it was just a matter of, I knew that I had to pick either got a positive path or a negative path. And in that moment, when I woke up in that hospital, I knew that I was going to pick the positive path because I knew if I went down the negative path, I was not going to be able to bring myself back. Nobody would be able to because I've been down that road and it's dark and I'm scared of that person down there. So I don't want to see that person ever, ever again. So I chose to pick the positive path. So even when I was doing rehab at Rancho, anyone that goes through this situation, it's horrifying. It's, it's, you're like discombobulated, you're shocked, you're dumbstruck, you're just like, what's going on? And I remember I would wake up every morning, I would go to every single patient's room and say, good morning, hi, <laughs> like greet everybody. I would roll to the gym and people would be there just like zombies, just like, just, you know, just doing their routine, like wondering, so like, what's going on? I'll be like, hey, good morning. <laughs> I'd like wake everybody up to like get out of their funkiness and then at night I would go to every single room and say good night to everybody anybody that was staying in that hospital during the time I was there you can ask them I did that every single day because I knew that you know you can't waste your energy just sweating the small stuff like you got to use that energy and just move forward and be positive and so yeah you have bad days and everything but what is it going to do for you and so I just made the three months as best as I possibly could before I went back home. Oh, that, my life in a wheelchair, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that's so, I mean, that's such a great attitude to have. I, you know, my next question was going to be, um, you know, after dealing with this, uh, you know, horrific accident, what, um, you know, what motivated you to keep going? But it sounds like you, you kind of had this premonition and already knew what, what was what was going to hire you know i mean i guess not necessarily being in a wheelchair but you um you know knew you kind of set out what you were going to do already so yeah i mean talk about well, talk about moving forward say, after the accident oh so sorry so sorry Jim. i was going to say i was going to add to that what you're saying because i'm not going to make it sound like it was all positive and honky dory because the thing is jeremy is this is that before my accident i was an adrenaline junkie i was a mark i am a martial artist so once a martial artist always a martial artist but I trained, I was a runner, I was an athlete, I was a martial artist, I used to race motorcycles. So I already had this in my bones to just be working out. I used to go to the gym twice a day, six days out of the week. So when I was injured, I remember telling my ex-husband, you know, here I was paralyzed from the neck down. And at that time, I used to control everything with my mouth. I couldn't even like lift my arm up. If my arm fell to the side while I was in the wheelchair, I had to sit there and wait for someone to pick up my arm and put it back on the pillow. Uh-huh. So I used the sip and puff. I used everything. And the thing was, 
thank God for acting classes and meditation because I spent all those hours laying there in the bed. And so all I did was I would visually meditate and see my body healing. I would talk to myself and talk to my body. I would sit there staring at my arms and tell them to move. And it wasn't until about a month and a half later that my right arm moved. It like moved like an inch and a half. And Entertainment Tonight had came in and they did a whole interview on me about the power of the mind and everything. But the thing was, my mentality was like, okay, I'm paralyzed. All right, big deal. I'm in a wheelchair now. Okay, but I'm alive. So let's just. whoa, whoa, baby. And I'm like, what? He's like, no, you're not going to work. He's like, you need to look at this as a full-time job. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like healing. I was like, what do you mean healing? He's like working out. And working out for me was like, it was my leisure. It was my passion. It was the way I released stress and stuff. And I'm like a full-time job. So for seven years, about six and a half, almost seven years, I had to have that mentality that I had to get better. And so when I left Rancho, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is when you, when you're injured, they write like, okay, C4, C5, quadriplegia complete. And they put it in a folder. And anybody who reads that folder, they look at you and they look at you in a certain way. And they're like, okay, Sandra Rock is a quadriplegic. We're going to put her in a power chair. And I remember the first month I was in Rancho, I said, I want to be in a manual chair. They're like, no, you're a quadriplegic. You have to be in a power chair. I was like, no, I want to be in a manual chair. <laughs> so they put me in a manual chair. And I remember, because by that point, I think it was by two and a half months, I could barely move my arms. But I, I don't know how long it took me. I tried to push that wheelchair from one end of the gym to the next. But the point is, when I left Rancho and I came back home, it was, first it was crazy. I remember going into the hospital where I was crying. I didn't want to be in the hospital. But then when I had to go back home, I cried because I didn't want to go home because it's kind of like, you know, how when guys go into prison, um, obviously they don't want to go into prison, but then they've stayed in prison so long. They don't know what's in the outside world right. that the prison is so familiar to them. So for me, it was kind of like, I didn't even know what to expect at home. I had just bought my house with oh. my ex. But I only lived in my house for a month and a half before I was injured. So wow. I didn't know what to expect. But when I got home, I did work with a company called Rehab Without Walls. And basically, they just, most majority of the medical uh, businesses or companies, they just prepare you for a life in a wheelchair. But my mentality was like, no, this is not it. They discharged me like after, I think, 10 months. And they're like, well, we don't know what else we can do with you, Ange. You know, like, good luck. But yeah. then I found a, a facility down in Carlsbad called Project Walk. And the gentleman there that had started it, he basically believed if you don't use it, you lose it. So I actually, for two years, I went down to Project Walk Monday, Wednesday, and Friday religiously. I worked out. Tuesdays and Sundays, I did Qigong, which is Qi healing, internal force and everything. And Thursdays, I did acupuncture. So I was constantly finding different tools and healers and such to just get better and try to get as, 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 as good as I possibly can. And it wasn't until after three years, I left the country when Bush was running the country, nothing against George Bush, but he wasn't allowing stem cell surgery in this country. So I left, I went to Portugal and I had a pioneering stem cell surgery. I was the third American and the 11th patient. And that surgery helped with everything in a sense of 
gaining strength back, sensation, and some movement. So I went from a manual chair now into, or from a power chair now into a manual chair. And then after that, after the seventh year, then that's when I started balancing back into my lifestyle, into my life. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that is, that's insane. I didn't even know that you had uh, gone to Portugal for that surgery, I guess. Can you tell me a little bit more about, about that? Well, what was the surgery that you had again? Yes, of course. So basically what it is, is God bless Dr. Carlos Lima. He passed away, so may he rest in peace. But so basically what these doctors found, my girlfriend, Erica Nader, her father, he went all over the world looking for anything that was going to just help us get better. And, and luckily he found Dr. Carlos Lima and his team in Portugal, Lisbon, Portugal. And in a nutshell, not get all scientific and everything, but to break it down, basically what they found is from the nasal cavity to the peripheral of the brain, there's the area in between that has all the like, quote unquote, neutral cells, like all the stem cells from olfactory cells, Schwann cells, and everything. And basically, if we get injured somewhere in our body, our brain will tell those specific cells to go anywhere in the body and to repair or to rejuvenate or whatnot. But for some apparent reason, the brain cannot tell those cells to go into the spinal cord. So these doctors said to themselves, they were like, hmm, why don't we go ahead, go up the nasal cavity, and then we'll take out the cells, and then we open, we reopen the individual, we go into where they were injured, we clean up all the scar tissue that had keloided over, and we plant the cells ourselves. So that's exactly what they did. So of course, there's certain criteria that you have to follow during this time. I mean, at the time when they did it, you had to have been injured for three years because of course you know they want their um their uh tests and and uh, their trials and errors to be like at its top right so right. i just barely made the three-year mark and then you had to be i think at a certain age and then you had to be uh in some kind of physical activity which of course i was working out almost every day except my day that i would rest which was saturday and right. then your they had to see your lesion, it had to be no more than, I think, two centimeters long. So basically what they did was they took me, I was under the six and a half hour surgery. They went out my nose, they took out the olfactory Schwann cells, all the little cells, and they're all the magical cells. And so I didn't use cells from a board of fetus, I used my own cells. So they uh -huh. took it out and they flipped me over, they reopened the back of my neck, they went in and where my C4, C5 is, they saw where the scar tissue had keloided over. So they cleaned up very carefully the scar tissue, uh -huh. and then they planted themselves. They weaved it through, and then they closed me back up. Now, the thing is, before you go and you get the surgery, they do all the pre-op. They see what you can, what you can't do, what you can feel, what you can't feel. They set you up with all the machines and everything where they test to see how far the signals will go down. I had no signals going down past these times. Okay. And so after the surgery, of course, it's not the magic bullet or the next day you're going to walk again, but it's a part of the equation where if I was here working out and doing all these things, why not? Why not try it out? Who knows, yeah. right? And they said that if you, if they promise you, you do not lose anything that you already have. 
but they don't promise you you're going to walk or you're going to get this or get that because everybody's different. But what they do promise you is that if you do get anything back, you'll feel it within seven to eight months, which at that exact eight month mark, I did feel, oh my gosh. So you know that feeling when you're in a car waiting for a long, long time and oh my gosh, I'm going to pull over. I got to pee. I pulled over. My blood is full. Oh my God, don't touch my stomach, right? Right. I never felt that feeling in a long time. I didn't even feel when I was full. I had to wear like a um a belt to let me know when I was full because when my body with my stomach would start extending, I'm like, okay, stop eating and you're eating too much food. Yeah. So I never had this sensation. So there I was that it was like the eighth month, I was on my living room couch and my nurse Marie was catheterizing me. And it was interesting because I remember saying, wait. I could feel something. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like, like I have to urinate. So I thought to myself, I remembered the pressure of like pushing the urine out. So I said to myself, let me just try to push. So all of a sudden I just, I just pushed. And then all of a sudden my nurse goes, what'd you do? I go, what? And I stopped. She goes, no, 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 do it again. So I pushed again and I stopped. So basically I was using my Kegel muscle. So I was pushing, releasing, pushing, releasing. And she could see the urine was going back and forth, back and forth. So we started screaming like, ah, like, cause, you know, something was working. Right. So, so sure enough, um, going from no sensation, not feeling anything. So after the surgery, it was like Christmas every month. So I got feeling back in my breast, the right side of my stomach, my left labia inside the vagina, my right butt, my right anterior tibia, my bottom of my feet and my right big toe. And I got all sensation back in my hand and my arm from the breast up and my arms, they all feel like normal. Wow. That that's yeah. incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. I, yeah, we, we've done some, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit on the podcast here about the, uh, like the olfactory bulb cell, um, studies that have been going on in Poland and things like that. But I hadn't even heard about um, this one that had been going on in Portugal. That's so fascinating. Thank you for for sharing that story with us, Angela. Oh yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And the thing is, like I said, everybody is different. My girlfriend, Erica Nader, she was the first one to have it done. And then uh, another girlfriend who's in Texas. And then this other girl, may she rest in peace, she passed away. But um, so I was, I'm the third, I guess, because she had passed away, but I think her name was Susan. And uh, the thing is, what's interesting, even I remember with Dr. Carlos Lima, of all of this, and this man was beautiful. He was just a beautiful soul because what was so interesting is like he wore this necklace and he had it hidden. It was hidden under his lab coat and his shirt and everything. But I had found out from my girlfriend, like, ask Dr. Lima what kind of cross you have. I go, what are you talking about? And he said for every patient he works on, he has a cross for them that he wears around his neck. Oh, wow. So one day I actually asked him and he pulled this necklace out and it had all of these different, beautiful, intricate, different crosses. And I said, which one is my cross? And he showed me my cross. But the part that I was getting to is that when I spoke to Dr. Carlos Lima, he told me, he said, you know what? You're very interesting because the way you heal is very different than most people. He said he only saw on one other girl, which was the first girl that he worked on. So when most people heal, they heal like fully, like in a sense of when the nerves were severed and they're brought back together by weaving those factory cells and all the cells, 
it usually will come together as one, quote unquote. But he said that my healing is very interesting because I heal in spots. Like I heal a little over here, a little over there. So like all like in polka dots. Wow. He said, you and this other girl heal like in polka dots, which I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. That's crazy. But I did go back afterwards and I got tested and it, it actually showed that my signals were going past uh, C7. It was going past all the way down. Not oh. completely, but before it wasn't going past before C5. But now something had connected where signals were not going past my level of injury. Oh, that's incredible. That is so interesting, Angela. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm amazed by, you know, science just is, is crazy how they can, you know, I mean, the spinal cord and the way it works is all is also intricate anyway but then when you hear things like that it's uh it, it's pretty uh mind-blowing um yeah so thank god now you know i you know i tell people i voted for obama we might at the time i was joking at them i was like i may walk again the country might go down but i might walk but he was a good president <laughs> but the point is the point is we have stem cells now that we can actually you know just do the research and everything and i feel I mean, in my heart, I feel that in our lifetime, we are going to see someone get up and walk. I mean, there's things going on now with the different technologies and stuff like that, but um, they're getting close. They're getting, they're getting close. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just a matter of time. I really, really, truly believe that. So, um, you know, switching gears just a little bit here, Angela, I wanted to talk, I know that recently you've been doing um, quite a bit on, on social media and other platforms um, dealing with uh, the, you know, women and, and I guess all people living with disabilities um, that they're, that I guess they are, are uh, victims of physical violence and sexual assault at like exponentially higher rates than um, I guess, uh, you know, able-bodied people or the people who are not disabled. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, about that, what you're working on with that and, uh, and just kind of how it affects people? Yes, yes, please. I would love to. So about uh, a month back, I was approached by this wonderful, sweet director from USC. Her name is Shana. And she approached me with this video, this music video. And so it was very interesting because at first I wasn't going to do it because I just thought, okay, I'm just going to do like, you know, what is this going to be like just a, an assignment that's going to be turned in da, 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 da. like, I wasn't quite sure. Cause I was like, I'm not going to just, just do something for nothing. And when I found out what it was about and she sent me all the information and uh, well, actually the reason why I didn't want to do it at first is because when she shut, when she sent me the storyboard, it was kind of gruesome and scary, and I'm all about manifestation and visualization. So I didn't know if I was going to be comfortable with seeing myself on a morgue table with my chest wide open. Yeah. I didn't know if I wanted to have that image in my head. But then when she started to share with me what it was about, first of all, she told me that her assignment was everybody was supposed to do this music video, and each student was supposed to reach out to a different artist. They did not want a disabled person in their music video. Oh, wow. I was shocked. Yeah, no kidding. I was shocked. Okay. First of all, that's where my heart got pulled. Like, okay. And then she said that she went out, raised her own money, found the song, and just bought the rights to a song. I said, okay. And then she told me what it was about, about uh, women with disabilities and abusive relationships. And when she sent me the statistics, I was shocked 
just, I was floored because 40% of women with disabilities are in an abusive relationship right now, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And I was just, I was shocked. And I'm a woman who was in physically emotional abusive relationship when I was very young, when I was 14 and in my 20s. And I was raped when I was 17 and a half. So I'm very familiar with this. And I, I was just like, right now I'm, I'm getting emotional because I can't even imagine. I was able-bodied when this happened, but being in a wheelchair or living with some type of disability and having to deal with this, that just, it just disgusts me. And so I knew at that moment, I said, no, I need to do this. I remember calling her back up and I said, Shana, please tell me if I do this video, you're going to do something with it. You're going to reach out to all these different organizations. You're going to blow this out of the water. Like, please tell me. And if, and I said, because if so, I want to help you do this. And she's like, oh yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to turn this ripple effect into a tsunami when we are done. Okay. <laughs> so we, we shot a little bit of it and everything. And what's interesting, Jeremy, is that I had an anniversary of life party like three weeks ago. And what was, what was full confirmation for me is that my party, my girlfriend was there. We were going to the bathroom. Well, she was going to the bathroom. And she was sharing with me and another girlfriend, Leah, who was also in a wheelchair. She was telling us at that very moment, she's like, I wish I could hear you guys right now, but I can't hear you guys out of my right ear. And I'm all badly bruised up because my ex-fiance just beat the crap out of me. And she lived in Australia and we thought she was here for pleasure, but she actually had flown to LA because she had to take care of some stuff that he had got into. They threw him in jail and they found out that, that he had beaten other women. And so she was here to take care of that stuff. And I was sitting there like, is this seriously happening right now? So right at that moment, I knew that that was my confirmation. I needed to do this music video. So we've done it and we've, we've already shot two days of it and I couldn't sleep. That week, I could not sleep. Every night, I would just, my brain was just going a mile a millisecond of all the things and all the people that I need to reach out to. So I've already reached out to one friend. I'm planning on going on to Dr. Phil. And I'm planning on bringing my best friend, Auntie Angel, who was on the show with me at Push Girls, because two years ago, she was, she's a survivor. Her ex-husband tried to kill her. And oh if you guys follow... Our Instagram page, Charlie's Angels, or Charlie's Warriors, I'm sorry, I changed it to Charlie's Warriors. So it's Cher, C-H-A-I-R-L-I-E-S, Angels. You'll see the one woman, Shantae, that I'm talking about from Australia, who's a survivor. And then I'm going to be sharing Auntie's footage, her actual video and pictures of when she was beaten and bloody when her ex-cousin tried to freaking kill her. And so I'm taking both of the women, along with the director, onto all these talk shows because I want to shed some serious light on this issue and just bring awareness. And the crazy thing is the moment I put my posts out, the very next day when I woke up, there was all these women that already wrote me telling me their stories. There's one woman right now living on the island who's married. Her husband tells her what she can or can't do. They have a son. The son already tells people and friends that the father is, is mean to the mummy and her friends and family live far away. She's in a wheelchair. She can't get out of it. So I've been sitting here talking to her and I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's overwhelming in a sense of it's ignited this fire that 
Oh, what I did with Push Girl, you haven't seen anything yet because this just, it just, it puts fire in me. I can't even, I can't even describe it. I can try to find the words right now and I just can't. Right. It's just heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking, those stories you told us. I mean, I can't even, yeah, I can't even comprehend that, let, you know, let alone abusing a woman in that's able-bodied, you know, but doing that to someone in a, in a wheelchair is just, that's horrific. I mean, I have, I, have, I have so many stories, like even just like seven years ago, it happened to one of my girlfriends who's in a chair. She was born with cerebral palsy. She called me up and I thought it was a joke. When I sent my nurse to her house, she's like, Anne, she was beaten up, left into her urine and her blood. Her caretaker slash boyfriend left her. When my nurse tried to clean her, there was nothing in the house to clean her with. So within that week, I raised like, it wasn't much, but it was still something. I raised $375, just you know, reached out to girlfriend and said, look, we need to help my girlfriend out. We bought her some washcloths, some towels, some maxi pads, things for the house. And I was like, you need to get out of the situation. And that's just the thing. When women actually... When they see other women have been in this situation and they gain the strength and the courage to get out of it, it ignites something within them to realize that they too can get out of it. And so that's what I want to do is there's so many women right now that are in the dark that's battling this on their own. They reach out to family and friends and most of them, one girl, she said her mom doesn't want her to get a divorce because they just don't have divorces in their family. So stay in the relationship and make it work. That's horrible. My goodness. I know. Well, thank I was reading you. these letters. I know. Oh, my uh, gosh. So I was reading these letters to my husband, and I was just laying in bed shocked and terrified for them. Yeah. I can't even imagine. That, that's, thank you so much for for being the one that, that, you know, just really is pushing this to, to the forefront, you know, and, and getting it out there. That's, uh, that's amazing that you're doing that. Oh my God. Thank you for letting me share this on your podcast, because this right here is going to start something, you know, and that's just the thing. If we can reach just one person and just save one person, that one person will get a fire within them and then they can start what I'm doing. And so that's just what it's all about. We're here to help each other. Absolutely. And that's, just, that's who I am. That's what I'm passionate about. Is that, just helping people. That's fantastic. I'm so happy that you're doing all of this, Angela. Um, you know, I wanted to, I my next question for you is going to be about push girls. And I know it's coming on the heels of, of, you know, such a, such an intense conversation that we just had, but um, you know, I didn't even realize, I guess, at the time that Push Girls was um, a television show, uh, you know, a few years back. And um, will you talk a little bit about that uh, so everybody can find, you know, talk to our audience about it a little bit here? Oh, my gosh. I just, oh, my gosh. Yes, I will. Oh, my gosh, Jeremy. I just <laughs> opened up my email because I was going to share something with you. Oh, yeah. And right when I opened up, I have another letter from this girl. And she's like it's like abuse story another abuse story that she wants to share about abuse that she's going through so that's just my point um yes yeah. oh, we need to definitely do something so what i did yeah. uh what i'm doing with this with this it's called hashtag i use the hashtag disable the abuse so okay what i'm doing right now with this bringing awareness about it is the same way that i had created and produced my tv show push girls to basically bring the awareness. Like I said in the beginning of our podcast, you know, I I had a premonition I was going to be in a horrific car accident. 
And so when the car accident happened, when I woke up in that hospital, and like I told you about my vision, I just, I knew. I knew instantly that I was placed in my body the way it is, my vessel, for a reason. And I embrace it fully every single day. And so I'm now this vessel that just goes and I live my life and wherever I can plug in, I do. So when I first was injured and transported into the realm of the paralyzed, wow. Naturally, people just come up to me and they like to share stories. They feel comfortable with me. Uh -huh. In the first three years that I was injured, people, whether they were going through a divorce, whether they lost breast to breast cancer, whether they were um, dealing with paralysis or dealing with AIDS, whatever their story was, I saw people from all walks of life in the first three years I was injured. And they would share their story with me. And the one thing that I saw in each of them is that whatever they were going through, they lost themselves. And the little bit of fire or light or soul, whatever you want to label that, that essence that's inside of you that makes you just live passionately, it was dying. A lot of people were getting depressed or their frequency was low. And it just, it made me so sad. So when I reunited with my girlfriend, Austi Angel, who was on the show with me, I, I reunited with her in the third year. I said to Auti, I said, you know what? We need to create a team. We need to create a team of women warriors. And I created my team at that time was called Shirley's Angels. And it was myself, Auti, Mia, and Tiffany. And I told them, I said, we're going to go out and we're going to do some big things. Are you guys ready? I said, we're going to show the world that no matter whatever you're going through, you can push through it. And so not to forget who you are, that life is short and you gotta live to the fullest. So again, I'm, I have a curse, it's good and bad. Whatever I say with my mouth, I manifest it. So believe it or not, um, I'm not gonna get into it because it's very, very long, but so I was blessed to meet the executive producer of American Gladiator and Fear Factor and David Hurwitz. And David Hurwitz had actually approached me and the show originally was supposed to be about me, about my life, how I can't sit still, how I'm just quadriplegic going around doing everything. But uh -huh. I knew that the show wasn't about my life. It was about all the people that were out there in the world. And so, yes, when that time came for me to do the show, I called my girlfriends up and I said, are you guys ready? And they're like, what? I said, are you guys ready? We're going to do a show, a reality show. They're like, okay. So we actually, this was eight years ago, okay. We went to every single major network in this town. You name them, from Oprah to Oxygen to Bravo to VH1. To, we even went to CMT, Country Music Television. What the heck are we going to do on Country Music Television? We uh -huh. went to everyone for about four months, and everybody said no to us. They were afraid. They didn't know what to do with people with disabilities. They were like, what? What do you do with women in wheelchairs? But I was like, no. This, this show is supposed to happen. It's meant to be. And actually, it's very interesting. Again, we talk about the numbers. Statistically, I was like, these people, they, they work with numbers. So we actually had one network actually pick us up. They paid us and everything. And you're going to be shocked, Jeremy, because three days before we were going to go on air, the female president left, a male president came in, and he said, what are we going to do with women in wheelchairs? And they dropped us. Oh my God. 
Yeah, and anybody in their right mind would be like, well, yeah. I guess it's not meant to be. We we had we had like 30 no's, we were picked up and now we're dropped. So I guess that's it, not meant to be. But of course me, I'm resilient as ever. And I'm like, no, I told my exec, I'm like, no, I didn't get paralyzed for nothing. This, this, I saw this vision, this is supposed to happen. So we took three months off, we took a break. And my executive producer of Little People, Big World, Gay Rosenthal, a blesser, she, the beautiful blessing was we had this excellent reel that we just shot with the other network. So she took the reel. She thought, what, what network is bold enough to think outside of the box? And she thought of Sundance. So she went to Sundance. She called them up, sent the reel, and said, take a look at this. Call me at the end of the week. So they looked at it, they saw it, they fell in love, and then the rest is history. Two, Robert Redford bought the first year, he bought 14 episodes. The second year, he bought 10. We won the Critics' Choice Awards for Best Reality Series. And that's what we did, to bring all the awareness in the world that no matter what happens, because, yeah, we, the, the common denominator, people think that it's our wheelchair, but it wasn't. It's our spirit. It's a fact that each of us, my girlfriends and I, we have this indomitable spirit that we just push, push, and push. We're push girls not because we push wheelchairs. We push girls because we push the boundaries. We push love. We push limitations. And so, That is yeah. so cool. That is so cool, Angela. I'm so happy that you're so persistent and that you, you know, were able to, yeah, like you said, push the boundaries and, and keep that, you know, keep that, you know, not giving up on, on the show getting getting out there. So I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and watch, I'm going to, you know, kind of lock myself in my room and watch the, the two seasons of the show here soon. I just, yeah, I, I really, I, I had no idea that it was even out. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys got it on, on the, you know, onto uh, the Sundance channel and that, that it was able to get out there for everybody to see. Cause that's an important message to show, you know? So yeah, that's incredible. And we weren't and we were on we were on Netflix, but I know I didn't say it, but I know if you go on YouTube, you can see the first season and then the second season I believe is on Amazon. Okay, great. I will uh, I'll go I'm gonna go hunt those down for sure. Um, you know, kind of in conclusion. Oh. Okay, great, great. I will I'll definitely look and we'll we'll put a link uh, you know, and, and all the links to your social media and everything in the description of the podcast so that people can can seek you out and, and, you know, see what you're up to as well. And, uh, and all in your TV show and everything. So, uh, I mean, you're, you do, you're so fascinating to me. You do so, so many things. It's incredible. Uh, I feel, oh, I feel God, super, I feel super lazy, uh, after seeing all the oh, stuff. Oh my that you God. Do. <laughs> no, don't say that. You're doing this podcast. Well, you know? I'm trying, I'm trying. That's huge. That's huge. Well, that's like, I appreciate that's it. Cool. It's a big thing. I appreciate it. Well, you know, kind of in conclusion, um, we I, I've been trying to ask people what, you know, what they do, like their daily routine, um, like exercise wise, you know, eating wise, like what you do to kind of, that you've found over the years that that makes your life easier that that, you know, you, you feel like you're you know, getting stronger, getting, uh, you know, healthier, whatever the case may be. We're just looking for health tips for basically for people uh, that are in our situation. Cause you know, that's the thing. It's like once they do discover uh, the technology to fix our spinal cords or get us up and, 
and going again, you know, we kind of need to be ready. Our bodies need to be ready to take that. Um, I think kind of similar to what you were talking about with the procedure you had done in Portugal. So, you know, what, what do you do on a daily basis, just health wise? Oh, wow. That's, I'm not the norm. I mean, for most folks, because I know most individuals out there that deal with uh, SCI and not just even spinal cord injury. I mean, even if you're just sitting in a wheelchair, a lot of folks are in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for me, and I know there's this whole CBD oil and all this, and I'm not not saying anything bad or good about it, just saying that for me, I'm very holistic in a sense of uh, I don't take anything for my pain. And okay. I guess I can be thankful for the martial arts because maybe it wired me. And maybe being a woman too, because I know women over men, we have a higher pain tolerance. Right. So the interesting thing is, uh, you know, because for labor, for childbirth and all that, and menstrual, with God Almighty, thank God we have a higher pain tolerance for that. But <laughs> the point is, when I was at Rancho, again, again it's, it's like they look at your folder, they see what you are, and then you got pills flying at you. So I remember sure. being at Rancho Los Amigos taking like 12 to 15 pills a day. And I remember, why am I taking these pills? Like, what are they? Mm-hmm. And the doctor, oh, this is for that, and this is for this, and da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da. What's funny is that when I started getting sensation back in my back, I remember the feeling, I remember the day when I had that spurt of electricity that just, like, it was like a light that just sparked up. And it, I was like, oh, and it just funneled and it went all the way around my stomach and then down my legs and it was the pins and needles that they call neurogenic pain right. I remember when the doctor came in he's like oh is there anything different today and I told him about the pins and needles he's like oh yeah that's like you know phantom pain that's like when guys go to war and they come back and they lose an arm they become amputated or this or that or and so he was explaining all this to me and of course he takes out a piece of paper and he starts writing down another prescription for something and so the next day I was taking another pill that basically numbed everything. And I remember sitting there in my wheelchair thinking, I can't feel anything. And so it was weird. And I said to myself, how did these guys not know? What if all those pins and needles, what if these things like, what if it's a way for the body to be healing and repairing itself? This is the way I looked at it. So I had my big, big old like, bodyguard friend come in put the doctor down and I basically went from 15 pills down to two pills when I left the hospital it was just colate and my um, bladder medication which I'm no longer on them I'm not on either of them so right now I basically the way I look at it when I tell people as I'm talking to you right now yes I'm in chronic pain and from the breath down I do feel pins and needles and I feel the stabbing in the back. I feel the electricity on my leg. My hands are numb. Like I feel this stuff. And when I drink coffee, like caffeine, like I tell people, if people knew what caffeine did to their nerves, they wouldn't drink it because it's very painful. But the moment I drink just decaf, I immediately feel what the caffeine does to my nerves. I'm on fire. I love coffee. I'll drink it. But the thing is now I've rewired my brain to realize like how people say mind over matter. Basically, it's just, I've accepted my pain that now it's a part of me. Right. So I look at it like when I was walking, when my leg would fall asleep, that was the most annoying thing. I hated that feeling. And I know hate's a strong word, but I hated it. 
I could do anything and feel other pains and things like that. But when your foot is like tingling, oh my gosh. So, but now I feel that 24 seven. But the thing is, I've said to myself, I can't be in misery. I have to accept it. And the other thing is, yeah, I can take stuff for it. Yes, I can numb it. Yes, I can take all these things. But this is the other interesting thing. If I end up taking all of that stuff and I numb it where I don't feel anything, and if I close my eyes, I won't know where I am in space. So the pins and needles and the pain kind of outline my body to let me know where my body is sitting where I'm at, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've accepted like that. But trust me, if the pain is so unbearable, Yes, I will take an Advil. That's that's like what I what I go to. Right. And I tried seasoning oil for my girlfriend and stuff like that, but it didn't do anything for me. I'm wired. The aliens wired me a little different. I don't know. <laughs> but I meditate. I meditate a lot. Okay. I do a lot of meditation techniques, and I zen a lot. But as a diet, diet plays a huge role. So there's certain foods that does trigger the neurogenic pain. And there's certain foods that calm the neurogenic pain. So I pretty much listen to my body. Back in the day when I first was training, I was on those protein powders and protein bars and all this and that. And I gained 70 pounds of weight that I didn't need. Wow. And I felt like Shamu the whale, like when my nurses would move me, I could barely move. And then having all this weight on me, I just didn't feel good. So before the surgery, I lost the 65 pounds. And what saved me was two books. Eat right for your blood type and fit for life. So when okay. people want to know about losing weight and all that stuff, I always tell them, read, eat right for your blood type and whatever resonates, whatever you feel works for you, do it. And then fit for life just so that you understand what food and how it digests in the body. Just, just educate yourself. And so I do that. So now I have to eat every three to four hours. Like most people are like, does she eat? She needs to eat a sandwich. I will eat you under the table in a sense of I will throw down. I eat like a football player. I'm skinny and tiny, yes, and I look like I don't eat, but every day I have to eat at least four to five meals a day. I eat right before I go to sleep. I will eat a full on bowl of soup with like five turkey balls and spinach, the whole nine yards, my spicy, my garlic chilies, all that. And I will throw down, eat it with a glass of wine and go to sleep. And so I just basically, I listen to my body. I eat very balanced meals. I have to have my protein, my carbs, and my vegetables. Lots and lots of vegetables. I'm more of a pescatarian. So I eat a lot of seafood and vegetables. And, you know, I crave my tiramisu or my chocolate. So I balance it out. I don't deprive myself. And, uh as of working out and stuff, I'm getting back into working out again. I was working so much as a business and job. I, I, the physical aspect of my body, I'm getting back into that this year, the end of this year into next year, which I'm going to get back into my martial arts and stuff like that, which I'm very excited about. And uh, water. I drink lots and lots of water, which I tell people the water that I love to drink is Essentia. It's alkaline water which helps the body stay at an alkaline, uh, basically neutral, uh, what would would you just call it? Because if your body's too acidic and stuff, you have lots of flare-ups, you have issues, you have breakouts, things like that, UTIs. So I try to drink 
essential water, anything that's like alkaline. And Fantastic. if my body flares up with whatever I eat, things that all the alkaline based food just to keep the body from being all flared and all weird and all that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And then as a vitamin and vitamins, yes, lots of vitamins. You have to take your multivitamins. I take those. I take a biotine for my hair, nails, and skin. And then bone, bone's so important. I take my 5,000 milligrams of my vitamin D and it's mixed with something, which, you know, I just go on Walmart. I do my research. Everything's cheaper there and they send it to you in three days, free shipping. So I'm on top of that with uh now your um this cranberry i just got it it's like a cranberry with tmanos i just started taking that so yeah absolutely i take that one yeah i take that one as well and i i was gonna say the uh with as far as the alkaline water goes i was able to get a kangen water machine which is a which is a it has a alkaline you can go anywhere like up the alkaline scale with the different uh, levels of the ph balanced water so yeah i I think that's uh that's great that you're doing that i think that's a huge uh huge key to you know to staying healthy i guess so but it's so good for your skin yeah absolutely absolutely well hey angela i know i've taken up a ton of your time today and i really really appreciate everything you know, all the information you've given us and, and you know, sharing your stories with us. And um, hopefully we can catch up again down the road sometime soon. Yes, and, and I would love to. Absolutely. I'm like, I can talk to you all day. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm even feel like a bigger podcast. I just feel like we're just, like, chatting it uh, that, that's, yes, I'm here. Yeah, I'm yeah. Here. So that, that's I'll, exactly I'll how we try to, to have it. podcast again. Awesome. Well, I'll send you a link uh, when we get it all uh, put together and, and we'll go from there. And um, I'll definitely make sure to include all of your um, the links to your uh, social media and, and website and everything in with the podcast so that everybody can can check you out and uh, and reach out if they have any questions or anything. And and uh, once again, I'm so, so grateful that you took the time to, to get on the podcast here with me, Angela. Thank you so much. You know, thank you very, very much. And if you can, please let your viewers know if they know anybody or if they're in the situation of abuse to share their story on Instagram. So please tag tag me at the real Angela Rockwood or even at Cheerlee's Warriors and use the hashtag disabled the abuse because then I will go to that hashtag and find all the stories because I would love to share the stories and really use it to push forward and to bring light to all the people out there that need to come out of the darkness and to gain the courage to be who they are and to live a happy life and not be an abused. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, what you're doing is amazing, Angela. And I know, you know, it's, it's affecting so many people in a positive way. So, so thank you for that. And yeah. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay, have a gorgeous day and keep doing what you do. And thank you so much. Thanks so much, Angelo. Talk soon. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.